I surrounded myself with mentors. I still do today. I'm not self-made and nobody is. People that are prideful and think that like, oh yeah, I'm gonna you know do this and be self-made everything else. I always look, I'm like, no, you're not. People that let their pride get in the way of their goal, they fail. You need help and you need lots of it if you're gonna accomplish anything big. Welcome to Saving Capitalism, everybody. Today, I wanted to give some behind the scenes look on how we build, structure, operate, and grow our companies. So first of all, I kind of want to break it down into um, my companies, the portfolio, what we do, and what we're looking at. Uh, I have two almost three sections uh, of companies. Roughly right now, we got like, I have personally over 70, I think, LLCs out of control. But um, we, that's largely divided up into holdings companies that the holdings companies are designated by purpose. So the two buckets that we have created with my companies are first operating and second more passive. So how we look at it both in holdings companies and taxes and different things like that is the holding company. So an LLC, which is a holding company for the companies underneath that are operating are primarily companies that I'm operating. I have actual decision making. So I am the either CEO. Um, yeah, I, I am actually operating it. So I, these are companies that I'm running uh, more of the uh, not the day-to-day, -day. I don't want to say that because um, I actually have operators or implementers in them, but I am the CEO and I have to, to work on. The second bucket is companies that I own, but I am more um, not a decision day-to-day. -day. Those companies include companies like our tech um, and things like that, where we have totally its own management team, including a CEO, everything. I'll either sit on the board um, or these are also companies and assets that I own outright. Some of these assets are just pure passive, so we don't include them under it. So I kind of want to talk about today this structure, how I, man how I build, manage, and operate these companies, and what we are looking to do in the future and why. I hope that this gives you guys uh, an idea of uh, structure, vision, why we do what we do. Uh, some people may think when you hear, oh, all these companies, when you hear, it, it seems sporadic, but it's not. And uh, that is what I really want to get across. It is very focused. So the main companies and the companies that we look at that I am operating, growing overall, um, first and foremost sit uh, largely which within the private equity side. So we have a private equity company, which is Cedar Creek Capital. The primary function of Cedar Creek Capital is to find, buy, fund uh, self-storage facilities and the ancillary companies that go along with that. We have uh, our capital advisors, that is our debt brokerage side, um, and we have our architecture, so Cedar Creek architecture and Cedar Creek uh, management um, as well as we have our Cedar Creek Construction LLC and Cedar Creek Development. Those ancillary companies, which we actually do outward facing. This is the other big side of our company, 
um, is inward facing or outward facing. So it's one thing to be vertically integrated, everybody, which means you do the things. But we look at it as we're not uh, vertically integrated, we're universally integrated, meaning that our functions of these companies, let's take construction management, for example, we have construction management for our projects and things that we're doing that we own, operate, fund, manage. We also do that for people outside. They can contract with us and we do it outside. That is the same with our architecture firm. That is also the same with capital advisors. Yes, we're brokeraging our own debt. Um, we're, we're going through and doing it, but we also do that for others and outside. That's a lot of the companies, that's very important piece. There's a few reasons why. First and foremost, we get a lot of um, overall data information that allows us to do more and be better. We can hire more. So internally, we then get revenue. We can hire more. We can be better at what we're doing. It allows us to not be so boxed in and it allows us to grow. Very, very important piece because I want to hire the best people. And if we're doing that, we also need to be able to provide services, keep people busy. And the more we do outward facing, it actually helps us internally. So they are viewed though as their own independent companies. We look at them on their own PL. We have their own budgets. I have profitability metrics, right? We expect all of those companies be, to be doing millions. And then our core, which is uh, Cedar Creek Capital, which that core is the private equity side. Within that, we have our funding, we have our acquisitions, um, we have our asset management, right? We have our uh, admin, we have our, our overall, um, our like feasibility studies. Oh, that's another company we have. Sorry. Uh, we do, uh, market research and feasibility studies for other people and we have underwriting, but so underwriting and all the other ones are just internal and even property management. We don't do property management, uh, for anybody else but ourselves. Now, why do we make that decision? So why are we doing the funding acquisitions, right? Why do we do all of that internally? Why do we not outsource, but also why do we not give those services out? There's a few reasons. First of all, we do property management to learn and to be better and to control performance because we know we can do a better job. We don't outsource that because there's really not a lot of money to be made in property management and it has the what we believe would be the opposite effect. Property management by design is you make your money by limiting work and exercising cash cash flow. So people push property management fees and everything down as much as they can, right? Because that's such a large expense. And so you can only give so much services because you only have so much money. So property management companies, they all of a sudden tack on lots of fees and they do things because it's really not a profitable venture. I mean, it's, of course, obviously you can make profit, but it's, it's a hard business, everybody. And I feel that um, it would dilute our quality instead of improve it. And so that we would never do. While the other functions actually improve our quality, we actually get better. We hire more people. We have better services. We, we do a better job and we can take money and reallocate it into the business and get a good ROI on it without diluting the original purpose and view of the company. And that's how I look at it. Will this help our original purpose? Will we get better? Can we make things better by doing it? And if not, is this going to distract us? 
and will this not help the original purpose? And so that's how we, did we look at our outward facing. Technology is a perfect example of that. So technology is a numbers game, okay? The more, the better for everybody. Meaning you need, you need large amounts, velocity. So that is an outward facing that through um, our tech stack, we want more people to join with us because we all get better. It's uh, you, the less data you have, the less viable it is. It doesn't make sense and the less you can do with it. Two, tech is a volume game to really be good and make profit or be profitable, especially at what we're doing. So that is an absolute no brainer. In fact, it would not work if not, we would simply have to outsource that. Um, now the property management side, when we look at our, um, if you look at the main functions, we have our first Cedar Creek Capital, which is the private equity. That's my main thing, main focus, everything else The we've already discussed, talked about it. We have our property management side, and then we also have our administration side. How generally we work right now is I am CEO of Cedar Creek Capital, the private equity, all those companies underneath it. My father and partner is the CEO and heads up the property management side. And then Sam, my other partner, um, heads up and runs the administration side. So the administration side is our backend admin office that does all the admin for all our companies. So you think accounting, tech, right? All of that kind of stuff. They provide that backroom support system for all the companies that we run and operate. My primary mission is innovation and growth. I am a visionary, right? So for me, I need an implementer. Now I have my COO who is Ruben and he, we actually brought him on and his, uh, he's an attorney and we brought him on paralegals to do all of our legal work. Um, he had grown a company, he was really good at it and he could make very high level decisions and he understood law so well that he was an incredible implementer. Now for attorneys that I actually think is a toss up. Uh, some attorneys are really good attorneys, but they are not good business people and they would not make good implementers. He was just really rare and he was really good, which gives me a lot of trust because he knows what to do and not to do and how to keep us out of trouble. Um, and he's very versed in it. So I needed somebody that not only could I trust, but had super high level skills to make big decisions. Now, it's important to know before we got to that point, that's not how it worked. Um, it was literally me, my father, and my brother-in-law, who are my partners, and we were doing everything. And I mean everything. So when we started out, it was one company, then we had everything all together. Management wasn't broken out, admin, nothing was broken out. It was just like a managing company. Then we had assets underneath it, and we also had companies underneath it. So I built brokerage firms, right? We did gyms, and that was all just directly underneath it. They were a separate LLC, it was under it, and that was done. So why do we have holding companies, um, different buckets with different LLCs under them? It's for two reasons, eh, let's say three. First reason is uh, liability. So each asset is its own LLC. Each company has its own LLC and those different services are broken up. So they don't bleed into risk wise any other companies. We don't want a domino effect with risk. So we carve them out 
in their own LLC, their own companies. They have their own P&Ls, their own bank accounts, everything. Then what we do is that all goes up. So the profit that it makes or the loss rolls up into the head company. This allows us to scoop out profits and all the money in there and get it out of there. So that way, if any risk happened, it would have limited effect on cash, cash flow, and those things. Then we run it up to the holdings company, which doesn't hold the risk. And so then we secure it and save it. That is also true with like IP. So the companies below are leasing out our intellectual property, meaning that we don't bleed into the other companies. So one person comes and sues, they don't have access to the secret sauce, the way we do business. And uh, that is why they're broken up on a liability standpoint. The second point is overall accounting. So you'll probably notice, and you can see here, their functionality is an important piece. So where funds, how they're being used, um, and how we account, because everything rolls up and we do accounting for one big one. Uh, our CPAs, they all work and do that, and they roll it all up, and we have one big filing and tax return predicated on the functionality of the businesses underneath it. So that makes things a lot, lot easier and uh, uh, helps us keep uh, accountability and track. The next thing that we do and work on, or the next reason is actual management, okay? So we have uh, liability, we have taxes, then we have actual management. So how are those things being managed, operated, and what are their core functions? Do they align? So the companies that we build almost have always been core competencies within something that we already did, and we broke it out to make it standalone. Now, I suggest this for everyone. I think this is the best way to grow and to build a portfolio of, com portfolio of companies if you're not doing acquisition. So we've done acquisitions, but in large part, we are building these. Now, pros and cons, right? Um, one of the things that I have that's generally a con is I am not patient. And when I have an idea, I'm an executor. Like I want to do it and do it now and I want to go and I'm willing to throw money at it. That doesn't bother me in the least. So I do too much too soon sometimes. So we'll start up four or five companies, right? And then the issue managing and operating companies that have core competencies that are the same is the um, interlocking or inner workings with them. So as we were growing, I found my biggest weakness was with growing, creating other profit centers was uh, connectivity and communication. So connectivity, meaning each one of these functions needs to connect with the other one. We need a transfer of data, information, right? And then each uh, group of people that are managing, operating, running, and employed by those, they also need to be able to talk to the other because now we have to walk hand in hand. If it was all the same, right, it doesn't matter. But the moment you change it to be its own entity, outward facing and have its own goals, metrics, everything else, it changes the dynamics of the culture. It changes the dynamics of what you're trying to achieve. So I have messed up, I think, a lot in onboarding without connecting and set up good communication parts. One of the big things with my COO was he came in to help me solve that. Whereas I was building, moving, going, and creating, um, we needed to, somebody to be making sure the pieces behind me all connected. And uh, that was lacking. So make sure that you guys 
everybody, you have that. There's a really important role for visionaries and integrators, okay? Now, the other side that I have, these are our core companies that uh, we work on, but then I have another bucket, which is our other uh, main LLC, and that is a holdings company that simply owns a lot of my uh, personal stuff, like Ernie here. Um, and yes, that's an investment. And so we have everything from investments, equity positions, real estate, intellectual property, um, and that's all held under a LLC that me and my wife have. And she has companies that are also under that. So that is a personal bucket, right, that we put. I have my educational space. I have IP under that. Uh, we have our marketing that's under another company. So my fourth bucket would be that, marketing, or the advertising company, educational uh, company. And that's a big bucket, and that keeps being built into more and more things as we move along. And that, too, is tied in with. The only bucket that's not tied into everything would be that personal one with me and my wife that has um, some of the side companies. We have a bunch of online assets and we have a bunch of different real estate and things like that. That all goes into that one that's not really operating. The educational side, though, that is actually attached to uh, the other companies. It is the large driver or the marketing arm of that. So those interlocking everybody on uh, communication and technology, right? That's hard. That is not easy. And that is something that I have failed repeatedly on. Because one of the things you got to realize is you got to figure out a system that works for you, works for your purpose. Our overall goal and driver with our main company, one side is to be the best storage operator in the world. That's why I actually start those other companies, because it helps us do that. We want to have everything that the REITs have, but be a private ownership company, which we've really done. I don't know another private company that owns all functionalities of the business like we do, including tech stack, marketing, everything, acquisition, funding, all of it, construction, architecture, uh, legal, everything that goes into it. And that allows us to see everything. So when we go and look at a deal, when we sit down at the table, guess who I have? I have my acquisition team, I also have been our debt brokerage side. We have our architects. We have construction management. We have asset management. We have property management. We have legal. We have um, uh, investor relations and funding. Um, we have everything. They're all sitting at the table. And we can look at it from every single which way. Now, normally how it works is you have one person, private equity. We do the funding. We farm out management. We farm out property management, we, we lease tech, we farm out legal, we farm out accounting, we farm out everything, right? Um, architecture, we, so, and then you have to juggle all of those people. They're not talking to each other. This vastly increased cost, but it also lowers your overall end goal and product. The reason being is not just the fact that those other people aren't doing good, that's not it. They're not all coming together with an actual plan. So you do not have all the information, you're not moving fast and uh, decisions go down. So once we put it all together and it's all working seamlessly, we get there. But if you don't have that, it can actually do the opposite, right? And all those parts that you're working together aren't, aren't, aren't functioning. So that was a big, big goal. And um, 
uh, you could call it an audacious goal, is that we wanted to be the best in the world and we wanted to do all of this internal to execute and, and be the best. So we had to build out these different things. And that's been long and hard. Um, I mean, you, you got to remember that, uh, you know, my partners, I, me and my dad, we worked for years, five years, and never even taking money out of our company at all. I worked another full-time job. And then on top of that, I pour basically all my money back into my companies. Instead of taking profits, I'm generating and I'm putting them in. Now, not that we haven't, we've taken profits, but the vast majority of our money is back in. It's going there to support our mission to build out other companies. Um, and that's how it's been for 20 years. That's good long-term and we're gonna get this huge and audacious goal, which we're there, but not many people are gonna do that for 20 years. So when we were building, it was the goal. That's what we were shooting for. A lot of people were doing purely out of a profit standpoint, right? Which not that that's bad, but all of a sudden you start to make a lot more short-term decisions instead of long-term decisions. Outside of five years, people stop looking. And I was okay with a 15, 20 year time frame. That didn't bother me at all. And so that I think allowed us to build all of this out. Now, the problem you have is, okay, six years ago, when we started doing uh, a lot more of the side companies and integrating and everything, then you have a whole nother problem. Now we have to have them communicating, working and talking while they're growing, while we're operating to efficiencies. And that changed the way that I had to operate. Primarily, it was me doing the thing. I had the expertise, I had the knowledge I was doing and sharing. That is not feasible at scale. So then we had to change up our management structure where I was a two level, if you guys haven't heard our man, my philosophy on managing, you have a three degree management, you have one degree, two degree management. And what that means is you are either one degree away from the actual front end of the sale or the purchase. So that means you've hired somebody to sit at that store and you're directly managing them. You're one degree away from your customer. Now you hire management to oversee that person that's working with the customer. You're two degrees away from the customer. So we had a management level and an employee level. So I was two degrees away. Now the third degree was a whole new degree and level. And that was, I was now three degrees away and that third degree that was placed in, those were operators. These were builders. These weren't employees, these weren't management. These were builders. And that was tough for me. Not to let go, but to get it right. It's a totally new way of running your business and operations. And uh, I've been working really hard to try to get better at it and I've learned a, a, a ton. And I don't think I'm necessarily great, but I think we're getting there. And uh, that level on volume, and it's, it's a new way you have to work and, and talk with employees. And so that's where we've been at for the last little bit is I should be the visionary. I should have builders, management, and then employees and they all have to work together. I have to create processes, systems. You know, Chris Voss on our last podcast gave a awesome line and quote, and I, I'm gonna slaughter it here. You can go check out the podcast, but it is basically you're only as good as your systems, right? And I think what happens is in growth mode, you grow beyond your systems too fast and you don't have systems set up for growth. And so you gotta go back. So I, fe I faced, I think a year, a whole entire year, where I felt like I was regressing because I was going back to the base systems to try to build because I'd set in builders that weren't building the way that it needed to be done and correctly. It was not their fault. It was mine because I'd set it up wrong. 
So then I had to go back in and we had to hire, uh, we, not we had to hire, we had to change the structure, okay? Now that structure got changed, but that was a, they weren't managers. You couldn't treat them like you did first line, second line employees and how you work and interact with them. That means I needed whole new information that was brought to me and how I played in it. And frankly, I needed to get out of the way. I need to leave. Now, I think that if you're a leader, the idea that you are a good first degree leader or a great second degree leader means that you will be a good third degree leader is rubbish. Um, and uh, for a while, I started to get worried that I wouldn't be able to be a third degree leader, um, that I wouldn't be uh, able to do that and do that right. And um, I think being aware of that's important because I had to analyze my skill sets. And actually, I was like, I think I'm a better third degree leader as far as personality type and everything goes, but I got to get that. Meaning I got to create a structure that'll allow me to do that and work with those builders and operators and integrators. And I'm talking about an integrator at third degree level. I'm not talking first degree inner level, uh, uh, first degree or second degree integrators. So some people you build up integrators. The integrators that I'm talking about are overseeing multiple companies. So you may have an integrator that is acts more like a manager, right? And I think that's something that is vastly missed. So a manager that is making sure things run good um, is not the same type of integrator that is at the third degree. They are building companies and they are overseeing vast amounts. And I needed that person. I needed that help on multiple levels. And I knew that we were falling back to only as good as that structure was that I created. So that's where we've been. And I've just now gotten to a point where I'm like, I feel like, I feel like I'm there. I feel like I can fall into my role a lot better as visionary. And uh, I can now share more, do more, which was needed. Every time I went back to be more in an integrator role or just working with the managers, I think our company uh, suffered from that. And especially at the volume that we were playing in and the coordination. So that is when you look at our companies and have it, uh, how we have them built out, we have these buckets, we have these drop downs and we have these single purposes. We're building out multiple other companies and functionalities within our business. I need to be able to do that and create because I see the problems. I know how I can build them to fix them. And then I hire. The perfect example is our new uh, software system that I'm building, revenue management type tools that we're doing. Um, I just went and straight and, and I could pick a better, I think, integrator at the level. And I learned that at my level, I shouldn't be building the way that I used to build. Now, most people would say, oh, you should just buy. The problem is what I'm trying to solve for doesn't exist. So I can't just acquire it. But yes, that would be much easier today is if we just simply went and acquired them. Um, and a lot of the aspects, that's what we're doing and going to do is we won't build it up from scratch because that, that doesn't work. There's a whole nother problem with M&As that people think it's so easy just to buy a company. When you have multiple companies and you're integrating through merger, which I have done and failed, and a previous life doing, uh, doing our insurance and consulting, it has its own whole set of issues culturally 
um, executions. They're running on a different model and you have to make that work and you have to make them succeed in it. So it is not as easy as, uh, that's not quite as simple as people make it sound. Um, and so we're in the, that realm a lot of times. It doesn't exist, so there's nothing to acquire. But also most of the things that we are acquiring, right, on that bottom level, that's it. We're acquiring and we're folding in. We go in, we take over, we change all the processes, systems. Lots of times we change in those personnel. Um, the vast majority of our personnel is not at our home offices. They are on the ground and they are across, I think, 10 different states right now. Um, and the uh, levels when you have to coordinate all those people across mass, that, that's its, its own other thing. And I obviously can't be in that doing that day to day. So a lot of our core competencies, I sit as a board member role, I get information and I help them make decisions and, and, and guide them. Um, and then on our, obviously the private equity side, all those companies, I'm the acting CEO. Now, how getting here, you're seeing something not at the end, because I'm not nearly even close to the end where I'm, I, I think a lot of people maybe get frustrated with where they're at. And I got to tell you that if you're a real entrepreneur, if you are um, a real visionary, that never goes away. So I'm so frustrated that I'm not farther. <laughs> That's just never, never gone away because I see the problems. I know the fixes. I know it takes time and I know what I've got to do to get there. So I still have a 20 year vision um, that hasn't changed or, or really gone away. The vast majority of all my capital not even the vast majority, You're, like 90% is simply just put back into businesses. Um, and we want to grow, we want to operate, I want to solve problems. The main problem that we are solving for on the private equity side, the property management side, the asset management side, are to be the best storage facility company in the world. The new mission that we came out with for on the private equity side is to utilize that and those assets to create financial independence and freedom for others. That's a tall order. That's a big goal. And that became my life mission. And so we started building for 20 years again. Why? Because that is where we should be looking and how we should be in, uh, viewing things for our investors. We should keep those same principles the same. Um, so when structuring, operating, and growing businesses, there's uh, management styles vary. Um, and I, and I got to tell you, I think that um, keeping an entrepreneurial spirit is good. But as you grow, you also have to have structure with that. And that was hard for me because I love the entrepreneurial side. I love quick, moving, fast. Once you get third degree separations, so your, your, your third degree of separation, the first degree, you can actually cause chaos on and your second degree. You, you, you may wanna be doing stuff, but it's important for those integrators and operators to say, that's great, but we have to do it within this framework and we have to go out and we have to build. And so you gotta solve those problems to do it because you can actually create chaos to the lower levels and people don't want that. And so managing and keeping entrepreneurial spirit and culture while creating structure um, that is, that's a big thing for a growing company. And uh, um, you, you want to have growth, but you want to have stability. And as Chris Voss said, you fall to the level of your systems. And I grow faster than my systems do. So I need people that can build fast and, and coordinate it. And that's always, I, I, I think I've given up 
thinking that I'm just going to stop and slow down for a little bit. So I just got to do it better. Um, now, if you're looking from the ground up, by the way, we, this is never how we thought it would be. Um, we did not, I did not envision this. Um, you make decisions according to opportunities and what is coming. I had a grand overall vision of what I wanted a company to do and look like, hold assets, operate. I wanted to deploy capital. I wanted to be able to grow through that. But how we actually got here, um, that was predicated on limitations, opportunities, um, and uh, abilities. And so you have to grow you have to work within limitations, you have to create opportunities, um, and you have to expand your overall limitations. I could not do what I'm doing today six years ago, seven years ago, and I couldn't even remotely do it 10 years ago. That's the side you have to be patient with. So when you're starting, of course, you may look at somebody else's end goal and say, I can't understand how they can get there. Well, today, I look at people with billion dollar companies and I say, oh yeah, I can understand how they get there because I understand that I don't need to know exactly how to do it, but I understand a framework in which to make decisions, to look at opportunities, to understand timeframes, timelines, to tackle issues. It is not quick, it is not easy. You're gonna screw up and that actually is what makes you better. So I see a lot more in how to drive that, how to make faster decisions, how to pull the plug, how to allocate capital, where to fix things, hiring people, and to, to get there because I understand the process, not the end goal. And so it's one of those things that builds confidence because I'm like, I know I'm gonna get there, right? That's, I, I know I am. I get frustrated at timeframes. I don't want it to take 20 years. Um, I want it to happen in five. And um, I push people. And um, I think you know people know that where I'm trying to go and, and, and trying to get. And I need to be better at recognizing what my people need. Um, and so on your journey, on your way, you're gonna look at that end goal. Lots of times you just wanna copy it, you want that, that's not how it works when you're, when you're making something big. I can teach everybody exactly how to invest. I can teach you exactly how to value, invest, buy a company, but to scale, you can't teach exact steps. Instead, you can only work through frameworks. That's why we have, and I created the impact system, which was my framework. That's how I worked within it. It's how I tried to control myself to create a process, a process of creation and building in unknowns. And um, I surrounded myself with mentors. I still do today. I, 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 I need smart people. I, like, I'm not self-made and nobody is. And if people that are prideful and think that like, oh yeah, I'm gonna you know, do this and be self-made, everything else. I always look, I'm like, no, you're not. People that let their pride get in the way of their goal, they fail. You need help and you need lots of it if you're gonna accomplish anything big. I mean, I don't care if you're Elon Musk. You know, Yes, Elon Musk created SpaceX and all that and he deserves the credit for that. But so did literally thousands of people and lots of people that were smarter than him. That's why he's successful. So you need to start immediately out surrounding yourself with people that have been through the next steps getting help getting mentors and as much as you can as you build you'll rely upon them to fix to scale to structure to do and you'll work and then you'll get above a mentor and then you need to find another one and you need this is a constant process of creation laws change markets change it never ends you have to love it if you don't it's going to be really really rough and i'm telling you this it's a lot harder at first, not because you don't have resources. 
it's funny, I actually look at it back now and I'm like, I could have gone a million times further. I, there, you, you turn back and you see all the mistakes. I, not something I do often because I don't really think about the past. But that's actually not what it is. It's because you don't know that groove. You don't know that groove yet of scale of management. And two, you hit, get hit by setbacks. And it is, it's a blow that you wonder, can I recover from this? When you're as scarred as I am, you know it's just part of the process. And I get frustrated and I get mad, of course, because for me, it tacks on time. It's not whether I can get there or whether we can, but it tacks time. Now, there are game over situations, okay? These are things like you do something stupid and go to jail. These are things that you blow up your company, right? Those things you need to avoid, obviously, at all costs because those you don't recover from. You don't recover if you go to prison, people. So don't ever even flirt there. Don't go there, right? And the most important thing that you're creating and building is momentum, speed, resources to grow. Don't do anything that risks that overall. The market sucks today, everybody. It set me back by years because I can't acquire. I can't get funds like we wanted to. Do you know how infuriating that is when you are on a rampage and then the world makes you realize again that it doesn't care what you want? Not at all. And your timeframes and your needs uh, are irrelevant. And I, I, I kid you not, it set us back years in the momentum that we were going, where we were trying to go. We, I mean, we were looking at purchasing like 30 properties this year, got like four. And we're developing a lot and we've had to, and it's not that it stopped us because what we did is we had to pivot, but it's not fun. It sucks. I was built to grow it at a 30 property rate. <laughs> so all of a sudden you have all these expenses, everything else. And two, being the way we are, because we're kind of crazy, when everybody else, when everything started contracting and everybody else started laying people off, we hired people. So we actually looked at that as an advantage. And, uh, um, you know, we hope that it'll play out soon, but it, it set us back. That's hard. We had to change things that we were doing that we were good at. That's hard. We were really good at certain things that the market changed on, and now we have to figure out new ways to do it. It's hard. It's the same thing as when you're starting out. Just at this point, I've been through it. I know. We've been through 2008. I failed on mergers. I failed on everything, and I understand how to fail better, and I understand the major things that can kill you. That's why we weren't in any major crisis or problems when a lot of other people were, and they started laying people off because I've learned to avoid the things that end the game for you and that or that can set you back so far um, that it's not even funny. So for us, our setback was like, I view a year or two just because we can't acquire at the rate. We'll be right back up there though as soon as the market allows it. That's what you want, progress, okay? And you need to learn how to build through it. That's an inside look about how we are building, how we are creating the companies, the holdings, why I have them set up that way. And guess what? It will change. And I'll be uh, keeping you guys ahead of it and letting you know when I change things and why I change things, just like we have been today. If you want to know it more precisely what I've changed on self-storage, uh, the self-storage equity, private equity side of our business, both in management, acquisitions of funding, go check out self-storage income because we highlight every single week, all those those changes, what we're seeing and what we're doing. Um, on the business side, stay here. We're talking a lot more management, growth. We're talking about how you work within the system and how you benefit others. Therefore, saving capitalism. Once again, it will be saved through you, not politicians, not anybody else. It is about you creating value for others. 
and it is about you building out the economy that we live in today. So hopefully this helps you to figure out how you can go out and make the change and so that you can create for others and build the world that we want to live in. Thank you, everybody. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon.